0: Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 4, Episode 2 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, where we talk about beer and wine and mead and all sorts of other things like that. We're also going to talk about technology probably a little bit at some point in time, just not today. Um, so, uh, this is supposed to come out on the 31st, um, or 5 2021 So, uh, yeah, and we're back together again, as we discussed on last yeah, podcast, wow. so... Uh, we do these back-to-back, um, but have no fear, we haven't consumed too much alcohol. <laughs> Not yet, point. at least. Yeah, we had, we had tiny pours for the last one. Um, but today, we're going to get right into the beer and talk about a beer that uh, I brewed. Um, this is the Brewer's Best Holiday Ale. It is 8% ABV. I brewed it from a kit, and it's a um, mm-hmm. uh, a spiced ale that's supposed to be like a Christmas ale. Um It's one that uh, I did on the Accidental Brewer, which is the like video thing that I'm doing for YouTube. Um, Started out like me and my kid doing it together. Anyways, um, so I'm gonna let Ricky talk about what he thinks about it because I've uh, I've had this one before.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not bad. It's got a very good level of carbonation, which is a hard thing to do in a home brew if you don't have like a kegging system. So like bottle carb. Really good job. Came into to its own there. Little tiny bubbles at the top, big fat bubbles at the bottom. Um, got some like caramely notes to it, which are really nice. Uh, the secondary flavors I'm having a hard time placing. It's like a couple all at once, but it's not offensive. I mean, maybe a little bit sour, which might be the intention. But that's a uh, that's really not a bad drinking beer.
0: So it's um, for for eight percent. It's very sipable.
1: It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially for being as light as it is, like, comparative to, like, you know, you can get to that 8%, 10% with a lot of, like, really dark beers that have a lot of, like, malt in them and a lot of, like, sugars. So, for something a bit lighter, it carries that 8% pretty well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The um, I, the first couple of these that I pulled out um, after three weeks of, of being bottled, mm-hmm. I thought, oh. Uh, the carbonation's gone off wrong. I even complained yeah. about it when we were talking to, like, some buddies when we were doing D&D and stuff mm. like that. Oh, yeah, I uh, remember that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it ended up just needing, like, an extra two weeks, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that
1: can happen sometimes. I've only bottle carved a couple things, and they say that, like, give it two to three weeks. And, like, I guess at two to three weeks, it is technically carved. Like, there are the little tiny fine bubbles in it sometimes. But, yeah, I had the same thing. The last thing I bottle carved that it came out actually okay um, it did take like six, eight weeks to really get carbonated. So I've
0: got some other things that I'm trying to bottle carb now. Those mm-hmm. are meads. Um, uh, I've got like uh, three session meads that I've done, and two of them I'm bottle carving. Okay, uh, I'm not sure about, well, actually I've got four that I've done. Uh, one's a mango session mead. One's a blueberry, and it's going to have hibiscus in the secondary. So it's a blueberry mm-hmm. hibiscus. And then, um, then I've got a um, fruit punch and a... Uh, caps uh, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was my, my wife told me I was pronouncing it wrong, <laughs> but it's um, called roast me, and it's a roasted bell pepper.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, meat. I remember you talking so, about that.
0: But it's it, I was trying to shoot for seven point five percent or less. Everything mm-hmm. else was like right at seven point five percent. If it all goes it all goes dry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, anyways, the the whole point of what I'm saying is. Uh, this is the first one that I've really carbonated that's, like, turned out quite right. The, yeah. the, the ginger beers that I've done and even the um, stout that I did um, mm. last year, they didn't end up carbonating as well as this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a really hard thing to do um, unless you get, like, a real good process down. And, like, there, there's not even one I can tell you. It's just, like, what works best for you. Because it's not only is it a, okay, how much sugar is left sort of scenario. It's like how much yeast is in suspension because it still has to trigger back off. Like if your yeast died off, like actually died because of like high acidity or high alcohol content, it's not going to work. Uh, it's really finicky. So like when you pull it off, it, it feels good, right. you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels great. I'm super excited about how well this went. Um, one of the things that I'm uh, also really excited about is the flavors that were imparted from spices. Mm-hmm. So I learned something from this beer that I can put spices at the end of the boil into the mash, mm-hmm. and that will or uh, the the wort, I guess, at that yeah. point in time. Uh, but that, that will end up making it have residual flavor. So those sour flavors and everything, mm-hmm. that's all the uh, spiced mixture that's okay. added to this. Yeah, so yeah. this started out with, like, um, caramel malt. It's a red, uh, you know, beer. It's not super clear um, because of some of the stuff that's probably still in suspension there. Um, but, uh, you know, the... the um, paler malts that you put into it uh, end up with like a redder color Mm -hmm. and then when you add the uh, spice at the end it really like brings out that kind of orange and I think there was um, some clove and um, uh, uh, thyme I think was in it Yeah, Yeah. Uh, but there was some some really interesting Mm -hmm. spice mixtures that, that went with this
1: yeah, it's a really nice color. It's, like, almost like a perfect, like, burnt caramel.
0: Yeah. And it's got some nice caramel flavors and things mm-hmm. like that. I'm really proud of how this one turned out. I was a little disappointed when it didn't carbonate the way I yeah. wanted it to. And then when it kicked off and it carbonated, and, like, I got, like, my, I think I drank it the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, this is awesome. And I've been, mm-hmm. I've, I mean, I haven't been knocking them back or whatever, but um, I've been drinking like a couple of weeks. You yeah. know, just kind of keeping and i, I I know that I'm going to end up giving some to you and some to some other friends. Mm. So, like, I'm not worried about the whole five gallons that I brewed. But this ended up being pretty good. I was, I was yeah, pretty happy. it
1: really is. And, it you know, I know we're drinking it now, like, in summer almost. But uh, this is a really good, I can see it fitting well in, like, a holiday setting. Because, you know, you get over for Christmas, you've got all those, like, pies and cakes. And this is, like, like I'm not sure I'd pair this um, with too many meals. But, I mean, it, it seems like it's that perfect after-dinner drink. You're going to have it with, like, a slice of pie or something like that.
0: It also goes pretty good with cheese. Yeah, like, I can I, see that. I, and, and not, like, sweet cheese, like cheddar or something yeah. like that. There's something those sharpers, about the, those fatties. Yeah, yeah. It, the fat and this, like, really mix well together. Mm-hmm. The alcohol oh, yeah, in it
1: that's, that's well. a good point because, you know, a lot of things get muted and changed when you get all that fat on your tongue, you know, from, like, a hard cheese. And that could really, like change that secondary flavor that comes off like initially all very like together and in like one profile i bet if you like dull that down they probably come out really well
0: it, yeah you get you get more of the spice mm-hmm. the fat I think. yeah um, or at least that's the that's the way it seemed to me
1: yeah i uh, mean that's probably right right like your taste buds get covered everything's you know for lack of a better term more muted um you know your receptors spread out a little bit more because not as many are firing off so i can definitely see that yeah
0: so let's talk about uh, what we brewed over the break. <laughs> and I don't think mm-hmm. you brewed anything, did you?
1: Um, no, I actually don't think I did. I, I started on something, but I, I never, Delilah knocked it over and I had to throw it out. Yeah, I, it, and that's the saddest part, I think, of what's like been my post-pandemic life. I got to spend a ton more time with my family, which is absolutely great. Love that part. Um, but no real time to brew. Like, I get off of work, and then the next thing I do is hang out with my kid until she goes to bed, and then it's 8 o'clock, and I'm kind of too tired. And, like, we've been drinking a lot more alcohol. (laughs) Uh, Well, no. I mean, like, even variety. So, like, that's one of the things we started doing is, like, buying bottles of stuff. And, you know, I used to drink pretty much 80% of the stuff I made and, like, maybe 20% something else. And those were generally, like, hard liquors. Like, I knew a lot more about good rums and things like that than I did, like, wine and beers. Uh, But I've got my wife into wine. we drink. One or two bottles a week, depending on like what we bought. Like we bought like a, a Tarni cream that's we're still in the fridge because it's like eighteen percent. It's one of those fortified wines. That's uh, that's all right, um, but I you know I can't complain about a nine dollar bottle. But uh, yeah, we've played around with a couple of things, and it's been it's been real. Life. I think it's helped my alcohol education, just maybe not my alcohol creativity in terms of getting to play with a lot of stuff.
0: But I mean, drinking. So that that is a good point. Like drinking other people's stuff. Even mass-produced stuff, it can help your palate to develop in Mm -hmm. such a way that you taste new things when you go back to other things that you had before. I know that drinking wine, so I've drank liquor a lot, and then I drank wine, and I didn't love wine, and then I I guess somewhere in my 30s, my palate changed enough to where Mm -hmm. I started really liking wine and beer uh, because I didn't love those things, and then suddenly I taste different things in uh, whiskey and rum and other things like that. And so I think it really is like a super important thing to get a little bit of extra experience with yeah. those other alcohols if you're trying to like kind of taste stuff. And and then when you start getting into like smoky or peaty mm-hmm. um, whiskeys or even like other alcohols that have some of those smoky flavors into them, um, having uh, like a palate that, that you can kind of reference back to, those, those sense memories, really makes a big difference in being able yeah. to enjoy those things. Yeah.
1: It also gets you really prepared for how do certain flavors like manifest in alcohol. You know, you drink enough things, you kind of get a feel for like, okay, this is kind of what quote-unquote cream tastes like in alcohol. Because we yep. throw those, those names around a lot, like this tastes like apricots, this tastes like leather, this tastes like wood. And it's really, they don't like, it doesn't taste like you just bit a piece of leather or you just ate an apricot. It's like those essences that are in it. So it can give you a a better feeling for like, okay, these are the kind of flavors I like. This is what I'm going to aim for. Uh, Because I know especially really early when I was brewing things, I would throw in like say apples or cherries or raspberries. And I wouldn't really know what to expect when those came out. And I made some things that especially early on I didn't like. Because even though those things were in there, they didn't taste the way I thought they would. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think having been brewing over the um, – thinking back when we first started brewing together, Mm -hmm. not you because you were brewing a bit before I was. Some of the things that we did when we first started brewing, I didn't really understand what we were doing. Um, And not that they were wrong. But they, like, um, when we pulped those cherries, Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what effect that had on the flavor and things like that. And I couldn't taste it when we... I just knew I liked the mead that we make that was that kind of Viking blood Mm -hmm. mead, right? That cherry... Well, yeah, it was was pretty much a Viking blood clone, um, which I think I'm going to try to remake... And we pro- should probably do it together. Oh yeah, that's like a lot of fun. Recipe. Yeah, uh, but I think I've got some improvements to add to it now that I understand, and then I've got that sense memory to kind of go mm-hmm. with it. And that is like a thing that you don't get if you don't get a, a breadth of other experiences. If you're just making yeah. stuff of your own, then you, you really don't get it. I'm, I'm really excited about letting you try the um, the Ruder Appleig Honeyg. Uh, is what we called it. it a little mm-hmm. more to go with a Viking name. But um, I made a uh, basically an apple hibiscus mead. Okay. And uh, I'm really excited for you to try that because it's pretty close, I think, to mm. the cherry mead that we made without the cherries. Okay. Or what we yeah, were yeah. going for with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the malolactic fermentation that happened there is really like kind of like, it's a very mild mead. And there's some things that we didn't do that I kind of wish we had with that old old brew mm. because it would have made it more palatable when it came around to, like, doing a thing. So there, there's, like, some things that, like, I'm I'm excited now that we can get together and brew some mm. because I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, like I actually have some stuff that I've discovered that I'd love to, like, show you and how I'm doing it, like, finding agents and things like that. that yeah. They, they aren't expensive. It's fairly easy to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just have to put them in there, you know, so... Uh yeah. So, uh you didn't you didn't brew much, but I've been brewing Oh yeah, even like going crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have like um probably about 20 gallons of brew in the house just sitting around. Um and some things that we talked about last time that were really good that I think I've actually stepped up this time. Okay. Um and I've discovered some things from doing research and things like that. Um so the hibiscus apple mead is one I just talked about, mm-hmm. but uh, let's talk about how I've been failing at coffee mill and I think that I've actually kind of figured out the trick to it. Okay. So before, do, did you do you remember how I was making my coffee meals? Mm-hmm. Like I'd do a brew with coffee as the um, with a, a a cold brew coffee as the yeah. like kind of yeah part of the base yeah yeah well. There are other ways to do that. Like, people have, like, done hot brew coffee. They have um, added coffee beans to the must after mm-hmm. words and things like that. So I decided to experiment with some other things because every time I've tried, like, the coffee mouth, I mean, you had it last time. It just wasn't, like...
1: Yeah, it right. wasn't terrible, but it's it's really hard traditionally to get those flavors in, like, a homebrew setting.
0: Exactly. Well, so I, I did the the... On the other thing that I'm doing, I did like a yeast starter versus yeast um, sprinkle kind mm-hmm. of uh, experiment to figure out what ends up happening if you're, it, uh, you know, lower ABV is different than higher ABV. Yeah. But what ends up happening if you take a traditional mead that's about one per, 1.1 gravity, so that's about 12-13% okay. ABV, yep. And you start it with a yeast starter versus sprinkle. And you give them both the same amount of nutrients and both mm-hmm. about the same amount of stuff. So, all things considered equal, there's no difference between the two, basically. Yeah. But what am I going to do with those brews now? Because I've got like, you know, seven mm-hmm. uh, gallons of brew that I need to do something with. So, I decided to try to take the Red Star one that I did and turn mm-hmm. it into a or one of the gallons of red star that I did mm-hmm. it into a coffee mill, So I put, uh, cause I'd seen someone do this in a beer where they're doing a coffee beer to impart some of those flavors. They put the coffee in at the end. Yeah. In secondary, like after they'd already done. Yeah. Do like
1: secondary. an infusion more than like it's in there the brew the right. whole time. Yeah. So
0: I did that and I don't know yet, but that seems like the most successful because yeah. it's gone dry it's got all the like right esters and things like that. Mm-hmm. I've got some of those orange flavors that I was trying to get with the uh, orange honey, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is a mixture of wildflower and orange um, orange um, blossom honey. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've tried to do that, and I think that's that's going to end up yeah pretty good. And that if that works out well, that's the way I'm going to go from now on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that working. You know, because alcohol is an incredibly good solvent, so that. Post-alcoholic brew, you know, it's already sitting at that, you know, 12%, is going to extract those flavors directly from the beans a lot better than it would be if it was in, like, primary the whole time. Uh, And the same fear you have with, like, any spice, you know, technically coffee's not a spice, but we're using it in the kind of the same way. We're trying to impart those flavors, you know, is that you don't want to put in too much and you don't want to let them in there too long because they can give you too much. So, like, having it in that secondary... In a position that's already stable, already high ABV, so it can age. And you don't have to worry as much as, like, well, I can taste it every two or three days until Mm -hmm. it hits the level I like. You know, I can definitely see there being some advantages to that.
0: And I'm probably going to bottle those next week. Mm -hmm. And they've been aging for a while, since last October. Okay, yeah. Yeah, So they're, I mean, we're June, you know, May, June kind of time period. Yeah, about six months in.
1: Yeah, that's a great aging time for meads as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. That might be one of the things that we try like next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That we do something like that because I should bottle them in the in between Mm -hmm. of this. Um, So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm kind (laughs) of excited about that. (laughs) Um, So uh, I I alluded to making some session meads. That's one of them that's sitting right there behind you. As a matter of fact, Uh, it was so vibrant in its. Um, or vigorous, maybe is a better word. Mm-hmm. And I ha- it started off with a just like regular, you know, um, airlock, <laughs> and it blew out, oh, yeah, blew into yeah. it, was like poor, did it three times. Uh, normally after the second one, I'll, I'll put a, uh, a tube in, and I didn't put one in, so I ended up putting the tube in. Yeah, yep. Um and then it still blew up into the tube, so I had to, like, go back and clean it up a fourth time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of these these meads, if you get the right nutrients in there with all that sugar, they just explode.
0: It, it did. I mean, but, see, the weird thing is, the, after the third time, it was still mm-hmm. only, like, half of the sugar had been eaten mm-hmm. through. Um, so, I've had a couple of others that I've done that with, and they've, like, um, just ate through the sugar in, like, two days, three days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the session mead is something I'm definitely getting into uh, because you can turn those around in about a month, and they're actually drinkable if you give them the right mixture of nutrient per like each time you test. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, uh, how the session mead ends up. Right now it's still got the blueberries in it and everything. I'm trying to impart all those flavors, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to move it over to a secondary bucket. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a two-gallon jug. I wish I had a two-gallon jug, mm-hmm. but I don't. So, uh, no that's glass.
1: Okay. You did touch on a good point though, and that's one thing I'll stress to people making mead. Um, meads are one of those alcohols that people always say needs a really long aging time. You know, bare minimum six months. Better if it's two years. Well I, I haven't found that to be true if you if you get those nutrients in there. Yep. I think a lot of what makes me take so long is that honey itself very little nutrients in it apart from the sugar. So those yeasts get really stressed and they make a lot of those off yep. flavors that do come out eventually. But if you can keep those yeasts happy, it's really it doesn't take any longer aging time than like a really strong wine.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And with lower ABV like 10% and less, mm-hmm. you can have something that you can drink and like a week after it's Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, bottled.
1: there's plenty of my um, things that I make that are in that, like, 9 to 11 range that some I'll just drink immediately. But definitely the stuff that's, like, sat around for a month a little bit better. But, you know, since I almost exclusively make five gallons, sure, I'll go through the first gallon, but the second gallon's even better than the third gallon's even better, yeah. you know. And then by that point, you, there's not as much advantage. I, I don't age them in oak. I'll put them in, like, a uh, food-safe grade containers and stuff like that.
0: yeah. Yeah, they put like the the. I haven't been putting as much into the um, carboys that I have mm-hmm. to to age like bulk age. Um, I've still been really setting with bottle aging. Yeah, but I think that's going to be something I try next is, um, putting some stuff in a carboy and just letting it set for like a year and then yeah and then racking it over um, before I even. St- touch it um but you know as as awesome as that can be uh and leaving stuff on like oak and things like that having something that you can drink like almost immediately Mm -hmm. is also awesome too so uh, that that's why i'm really interested in these session meads because they're around that eight percent abv that i kind of like the mixture of alcohol and flavor Mm -hmm. with Um, most things that are lower than that they don't have enough of the like bitterness and um, other flavors that alcohol, yeah, can that have. acidity, yeah, that's yep. the the acidity or whatever it is. They don't have enough for me. So, um, and you know, then there's beer. I'm I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna make another beer. So I've got a coffee stout and uh, two gallon, one gallon of coffee stout sitting mm-hmm. right there behind you in those boxes, okay. and two gallons of I think an Irish stout, if if I remember Ooh, correctly. Okay, that I'm gonna try again. Now, these are um, um, the LME or liquid malt extract like kits that you can buy. Mm-hmm. But they weren't very expensive. They were like $10 a gallon.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which
0: isn't too bad. I mean, it's still more expensive than if I was doing it with mm-hmm. grain. But I've had so many problems with getting grain to do right in yeah. my yeah. current be- uh, beer brewing system That I've just switched to LME for a little bit because Mm -hmm. I'm waiting until I buy a, like, nice, um, like, a um, an anvil or something like that that I I can brew from.
1: Yeah, I can never see that. Yeah, those kits are fun. I did a beer kit. Well, we did a beer kit together. It didn't turn out that great. But, uh, (laughs) we did it. Um, it really does, it, it puts that passion back in it if you're switching from something else. Like cider, super easy. Wine, for the most part, pretty easy. Mead, pretty easy. Um, Beer traditionally is not, but the kit does a good way of like meeting you that halfway. You know, it's a lot of fun to open up a kit. You, if you do it right, you can still get really good alcohol out mm-hmm. of it. Um, and at a certain level, I think you need that experience because if you go straight to grain, like you're still just following somebody's recipe because you right. don't know enough about it yet to really be on your own. You know, so I feel like starting straight with grain is almost making it harder on yourself. Because you have to have the better technique to make the grain come out well, while you're still having to follow word for word somebody else's recipe. Yeah,
0: that, that's very true. And and there's there's some problems with my setup, like uh, my stove here does not get even a gallon of water to stay consistent temperature. Uh, so like it needs to stay at a, between one fifty two and one sixty. It'll wildly fluctuate and drop down to 145 and then go back up to 165, and Mm -hmm. I just can't keep it consistent. So I need something that keeps, like, a consistent temperature. Yeah. Um, And that's my biggest problem.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to do stuff like that if you don't have, like, gas or induction. Yeah. Anything on coil or those, like, on and off burners, like, are at my place. That consistent temperature is brutal.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, these are not induction. It's a glass top, but it's got the – it'll – Come on, and then it'll go Exactly. Yeah, that's on what I have in my off. place,
1: too. Yeah. Those, like, those, I don't even know what you technically call them. I just call them flash burners because they yeah. turn on real hot, and they cool down. Plus well, an electric coil yeah.
0: is, is all it is. It's not, it's not even an induction because it doesn't work with an induction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, basically, I'm going to try to do all that stuff uh, over the next, like, maybe three or four months.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, I, you know, some of it I'll show on my uh, Accidental Brewer channel. And maybe you'll even, like, show up on that one. I don't oh, know yeah. if you want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Finally
1: free to kind of move around a
0: little bit. <laughs> that'll be awesome. Uh, and we can try some of this stuff some more um, over the next bit. So the last topic that I had for today was one that was kind of on video games. But uh, we mm-hmm. were so excited for Cyber 20, 20, Cyberpunk 2077 yeah. that um, we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the failures and mm. some of, and some of the things that have actually gotten better. Because, like, everybody talks about these things when they first come out. Yeah. And everybody's super hyped for it. Most people have played through it and stuff like that. But nobody really talks about it, like, a year in or a year and a Mm -hmm. half in or something like that. And it's not quite a year in, you know, yet since Cyberpunk 2077 was released. Um, But we're still, like, at a place where um, people are probably still playing this game. Now, I finished it. I know you have. Yeah. Right? Um, So... Tell me your thoughts on the game now that you finished it, and like maybe even going back. I've been going back and playing little bits and mm-hmm. pieces of it. You know, yeah. Um, I've got some disappointments, but I think that they're going to change in the same way that The Witcher Three changed.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of how I had to look at it because Witcher Three had some pretty significant problems when it first came out too. Um, I was a little disappointed. The the open world felt a little empty, even though it had like a lot of stuff. There wasn't as much stuff as you could do. You know, like NPC AI was not great. And I think part of trying to tackle some of their technical issues, they, you know, those like famous little videos where you shoot a gun in the air, you see the people in front of you, turn around, they're all gone. You turn back around, they're all gone. they're just deleting stuff out of the world. Um, although the story had some pacing issues. It is good to see, though, that like with subsequent patches, a lot of the technical issues have been fixed. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure there's really much they can do to fix pacing Apart from maybe some of the DLCs might be integrated in certain parts of the story, which could really help because like that first act is is really big. Second act kind of in the middle. Uh, third act really just sneaks up on you. Yeah, uh, like you started and like you're just done. Um, in fact, I missed uh, some of the end game content that my wife got because with the way they do some of that in-game content that it's like it's almost on a timer. It's like yeah. you did that first mission. They're going to call you back in like a week. Well, if you've really played heavily the first two parts, there's actually not much available. Like, you know, I would, you know, sit there and skip time for three or four days waiting for somebody to call me. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, it's been like five, six days. Uh, nobody's called me I guess we're done and then my wife said oh did you do this mission I was like what is that mission? have Like, oh that guy calls you it's like I waited for like a week and that guy didn't call me yet <laughs> uh, you know but I will say I gotta give credit where credit is due um, a lot of the stuff that is there is very good combat's very good um, hacking takes a little while to get off the ground but it's still very good unarmed combat is really fun until that very last mission you kinda gotta cheese that one uh, it's a little a little unfair how difficult that is but I did hear I haven't played it since they've done it but I did hear in one of the more recent patches they rebalanced that oh, yeah. particular okay. mission, um, and I will say I didn't. For, for as many technical glitches there are, they didn't lead to glitches that were annoying outside of like crashing things. Like there weren't like a whole bunch of exploits. There weren't like a whole bunch of like you're cheesing the game, doing this or that. Except for some some crafting things. Uh, I want. I still want a real. Rebalance on crafting, which they had to do in Witcher 3 too. They didn't get the yeah. Witcher 3 crafting. They didn't get it perfect. Um, yeah, perfect the first time. But, you know, overall, I'm still pretty favorable on the game. But I have decided now that I beat it the first time, um, I'm not going to play it again until kind of like that first DLC comes out. Yeah. Because that's really when The Witcher turned around. You know, it had, it had its 1.1 patch, which fixed a lot of the technical problems. But um, it didn't have a lot of the, like, missing features that people wanted until that first big DLC.
0: For me, The Witcher 3 didn't turn around until Save Game Plus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was like a week or two before the first DLC dropped. Um, And I think this is going to be the same way. Cyberpunk needs like that same sort of treatment where they release some DLCs that are, um, you know, kind of like the free. Um, expansions that we should have always gotten all, yeah. all the time. Yeah,
1: there's some gap fills they need <laughs> yeah. to do.
0: And, and so, one of my most disappointing things about Cyberpunk, has it been the glitches, has it been any of the other problems that it has, it has been that the game pretty much just ends. Yeah. There's no, like, continuing to play after the end. You have to mm. go back to a previous state yeah, and before that, like, you did
1: that final part three.
0: Right. And so, like, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything that I did. I got a really good ending. I feel like mm-hmm. it was satisfying and stuff like that. And I don't hate, you know, like that the game ended in that context because there's some good things about a story ending and like that just kind of being the end. But for a video game, I also like to sometimes go back and play like a mission or something like that that I didn't do previously. Or like save a game in a certain spot and then go back. And I prefer to have some of those perks that I had gotten from Mm -hmm. like playing through the game. I'm looking forward to when they do that with this game, if they do that with
1: this game. Yeah, a new game plus sort of thing would be really fun, even if it was kind of limited. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, you're right, the in-game content. Like I got to say even at a point that like, it would be fun to keep playing when you ended it, but most of the time, by the time I go to that that third one, or uh, you know, there's just not a lot left. You've kind of done through the missions. It doesn't have that sort of like recurring. Hey, here's some things that come up. It would be really nice if it had some sort of like contract system. You know, occasionally you just get like randomly generated jobs. Hey, there's these people in this warehouse. Yeah, that's go exactly here. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah.
0: The the because the, the Witcher Three did something like that mm-hmm. where you got those randomly generated jobs yeah that would happen. I think Cyberpunk has some things like that, but they're not as robust. And I would like to see that happen.
1: Yeah, there's there's like scenarios where you sometimes see like gangs fighting, but the problem is they're actually they're all identical and right. they're they're static on the map. Um, especially because I, I heavily played that first section because mm-hmm. I wanted to level some stuff up before I like did that first you know the the finale mission for part one. And, um, you know, you could resolve something. I think the one that sticks on my mind the most is where there's the cop and like two gang members that are talking yeah. they're doing some sort of like trade deal. Uh, you that just keeps happening. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, especially since I always took the, the approach to blow them away. So I like kill those three people five minutes later, they're back yep. and they're doing the same thing. Uh, you grab their equipment. Um, I think that's also a thing. That I, I want to see improved is, uh, I think it was a very interesting choice. They went with like randomly dropped equipment with like static stats, and you could upgrade them, but it's incredibly costly as it moves over. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people were looking to make like a custom character with like a custom style and stick close to that style. The fact that they don't have things like uh, like item transmogrification things like that.
0: Yeah. I don't know I I, I mean that stuff's kind of cool but I feel like that's more of like a Fallout thing if you want that kind of game you play a Bethesda game you play Skyrim Sort of, but
1: with a crafting system like they do I feel like at some level like oh I got an item I should be able to break it down for a recipe and then oh did I find this really cool trench coat but it's like a common item it's not very good I'd love to break it down and be able to make like a legendary version of yeah, it yeah. things like that um and, you know, I won't get too into crafting because I was, at one hand, very disappointed with it. On the other hand, uh, some parts of it are actually very good. Yeah. The like crafting for standard items like armor and weapons, pretty poor in my opinion. But the crafting when I did like a, and I only beat it once, but I got like most of the way through a second run, where I did like just pure hacker. The way they did crafting for the quick hacks was actually very yeah, it was nice. was pretty awesome, right? It was, it was <laughs> much better than the crafting for the standard items. Right. So, like, you know. Well, they, like,
0: they've modified that a little bit in the, in the last couple of patches, too. Yeah,
1: I they know they've done, done some balancing on it and yeah. things like that. Um,
0: that. That ended up being pretty awesome, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, you got anything else you want to say about that?
1: Not really. Overall, I would say I like it much better now than I did originally, but it's still pretty good.
0: All right, so that is the Season 4, Episode 2 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We've got uh, all sorts of things in store for Season 4, so hope to have you come in a little bit later uh, and catch those episodes also. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later.